This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to another week on the Varsity Club podcast. One of the people that is sitting in our office heard me intro this just looked at me and started laughing. I'm very self-conscious about this right now. I'm very self-conscious about this. It's your thing, it's, man. I guess. Greg Smith is on the other side of the table from me. It is cold. It is still snowy. Uh, but Greg's back from the Bahamas to bring the fire. <laughs> so happy to have you on the podcast. We haven't had you on much throughout the start of this 2019 year. It feels like it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. It does. I did listen to you guys, though, while I was flying to the Bahamas. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Good. Shout out. I heard you guys call me a jerk. While you were flying, <laughs> while you were flying to the Bahamas. Is that why you guys called me a jerk, maybe? I, I didn't laugh hard. Sneak that, that little line in there. Yeah. Are you Are you okay? Do we need to talk about anything? I mean, I gave you could... a chance to vent the last time they were having a bad slide. Do you need another? God, how is that every single time that I'm on, there's been some sort of bad? Yes, I do need a Well, to be fair, they've been bad all year. Come on, man. (laughs) Um, You took a little too much joy in that. Yes, I don't even know how to describe what I feel. I guess we should start with, though, I guess congrats to LeBron for hitting that milestone. Is it passing Jordan in points? Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I'm not fully 100% sure about what that actually was is because, A, I didn't watch the game. B, I really don't care that he passed Michael Jordan um, because it feels hollow. And it's he also still feels like a guest for the Lakers. Like, it doesn't feel like he's fully there. Part of that has to do with, you know, him playing a hand and trying to trade the whole roster. The other part is it just doesn't feel like he's really – fully involved and ingratiated into the team. It's been a, such a strange season you know, like to see unfold. Sitting at the end of the bench, three seats away from his teammates yes. on not one, but multiple occasions. Yes, and this week I feel like was the first time he ever said anything positive about Luke Walton, though he's getting fired anyway, and he should. Um, it was also, I think, this week where he finally broke down and said, we're putting too much on the kids, um, and it's actually the veterans that are really the ones that are messing things up. Um, like it, it, this took all of this took way too long, and it's just, it's just been a very strange season. And I'm curious to see now again. Wait till next year to see what happens again. But the tank rolls on. I'm tired of this. I just want to win. I found his uh, "we're asking too much of the young guys" comment very interesting because. Wow. Surprise, surprise. The old guys that you have don't fit with the team that you want. They're all it's like terrible. <laughs> they're non-shooters who need the ball to be effective. And you're asking LeBron to play up-tempo in a fast-paced offense when he's like 35. And he's clearly which is still not... effective, but it's also... But he's never the... run a quick offense. No. And he and we can't discount the fact that he had a role in deciding all of that too so like we have to because that strategically you know leaked out this week also uh, none of them are playing defense no not a single one of them yeah. young old luke walton can't trip anyone like nothing is yeah. nothing's working on that um we could talk about nebraska basketball because they're not playing much defense either um but the season ends on sunday 
against Iowa. No, no, Kenton has been suspended indefinitely uh, per Tim Miles. That was the news of the week. We will have coverage um, through the weekend. I don't think Jacob Padilla is going to be there. I think it's going to be Aaron Sorensen and I um, wrapping up the regular season finale for Nebraska basketball. I do have a question for you on that. Yeah, real fast. I know we, we didn't necessarily plan on talking about this, but I want to know your thoughts. What do you what do you think it's going to be like in PBA for that game? I don't think it's going to be great. Do you will it be so two twofold? I guess is what I'm thinking. Will it be full, and no. will the crowd show displeasure, or does it, I guess it is depend on how the game goes. I, I mean, I think they're going to lose. Yeah. I don't think the crowd is going to be. I don't think the the arena is going to be full. Um, I don't think. I mean, like for the last two months, really, like PBA has been this like weird shell of what it was earlier in the season mm-hmm. where. Nebraska will make a couple moves or they'll make some momentum plays that would normally get a crowd into things, and PBA is a little hesitant to fully engage with the team or fully get into the game. Right. And I think that's going to be even worse um, because you've gotten blown out now in back-to-back road games, and I think everybody's just ready. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it feels like the Mike Riley game. That was a, yeah, and that think, one was that you could. It was a definite feeling of this is the end. I think the most interesting part of that game is not going to be what happens on the on the court because I don't, I don't think that matters at this point, win or lose. No. I, don't, I don't think what happens in the game matters. I think the most interesting thing is going to be what happens um, at the end of the game when Miles leaves the court. I think that that scene is going to be the most interesting to me. Is how. How does he handle himself? How does he carry himself? And then into the the press conference um, afterwards, and how is he received by whoever is left? I think that'll be the most interesting thing. That that will be fascinating to me as well. Dum dum dum. Dun dun dun. Sad. Um, let's talk about football because we had availability for the first time this spring on Tuesday. We got uh, like an hour with the players. Kind of streaming in and out. Then we got Coach Frost, and then we got 30 minutes with all the defensive assistants and kind of a sit-down environment, and then we got 30 minutes with all the offensive assistants. You talked to Tony Suiotti, mm-hmm. Nebraska's new defensive line coach. You just kind of posted up at his table. We all kind of took tables, and you took Tony's. I want to get your thoughts on just being around him for the first time and hearing him talk and, and hearing what he had to say. What was uh, your I guess overall impressions of what he said was there anything that he said that caught you uh, by surprise or that that really struck you? Yeah, both. Um, I my first initial impressions of him was he was easy to talk to and easy to see how he um, is a good connector. Like because he the way that he delivers the message, just the way that he kind of talks and goes back and forth, it's really relatable. But he also talks with a lot of passion about the game, um, which is, I guess exactly what you would want in a coach, position coach. And the thing that he probably talked the most passionately about outside of his family um, was stopping the run. 
Like, he is all in on is the thing that he needs to be about is stopping the run. You're pumping your fist in the air. And I know that when I <laughs> tweeted that out, a ton of Nebraska fans are doing the same thing because he is all about that. Um, but I thought I found it was I thought it was really cool, though, how he described that. So he kind of went and basically said, in this league, we need to stop the run and we need to be about that. Um, and it's something that I've always believed in. But then he kind of drilled down a little bit into talking about how you go about doing that. He talked about the importance of obviously the defensive linemen, but then also the outside linebackers and essentially how they all play together and on a string and how they need to have good communication and a good relationship. And those guys need to hang out with each other and that sort of thing. Um, so I, found, I just found all of that really interesting from the football side of it. And then, as I wrote about this week, he has a lot of like, interesting recruiting connections. Like, between his his role at Michigan as the director of player personnel, in which he played a big role in their satellite camps and their big swarm tour um, that they did that has since been outlawed um, to his time at Hawaii. Um, as I think he was at one point director of player personnel there, but then also a position coach and then obviously position coach at Cal. He's just, he's got a very unique background that I think will serve him well going forward at Nebraska. You talked about the the relationship he wants the outside linebackers and the defensive ends to have. That's, I mean, that's the advantage of having a coach that has that kind of background, mm-hmm. the coaching background that he does where he's coached both and understands the importance of both. You wrote a story um, on, I think it was published on Tuesday, that was about the, the football side of things, not the recruiting mm-hmm. side, but the football side of things. And he talked about, pass rush which has been a huge topic around here for yep. the last couple of years and his comments were basically it's not just about sacks it's about pressure yeah and that was I actually I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot that and that was actually probably the second thing that struck me because I, I really like the way that he described that because it is kind of like we, and we do talk about pass rush particularly with the outside linebackers um, so much around here but he's right in that that's not the only way to bother a quarterback or disrupt the team's passing game like he I think he said that if we go into a game and we don't really we don't have any sacks but we have 10 quarterback hurries and we have some batted balls and we knock the quarterback down a few times and then we have three interceptions and we win the game, then I'm perfectly fine with that. Then I think that he's correct, especially in even like the quarterback play in this conference it's always up and down. Like one year to be very good, one year it won't. I think this year will be okay um, across the board. But with that, because of that, if you can just disrupt guys and get them off of their schedule and get their footwork messed up and have them throw, like that can go a long way. Like you don't necessarily have to just be sacking the quarterback seven times a game to make an impact in the passing game. This could be a really weird. I was thinking about that when you said this could be a really weird year for quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I was, as I was kind of saying that, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm trying to picture in my mind real fast, like, where, like, because, like, for example, Northwestern, like, Hunter Johnson is a former five-star, yeah. but can he play? It's the yeah. same thing with Justin Fields mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Um, did Iowa's quarterback come back? Yeah, Nate Stanley's back. Well, that's the same thing I like, went through. With some of this stuff, like, I just don't, yeah, I don't know what to, Shea Patterson, like, how good is he? Because my like, initial thought was, like, it's probably going to be a down year for quarterbacks with, like, Justin Fields and Adrian and maybe Shea Patterson being the top. I like Shea Patterson. I know I'm in the minority. Um, I think he's, I think he's Maybe fine. being the top guys. And then I was like, well, Northwestern has Hunter Johnson and Wisconsin has Graham Ertz. And Man, they cleared the way for that really yeah, fast. Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, I don't like Nate Stanley. Um, is uh, Who's Maryland's quarterback? 
Is uh, I don't know. Kaysom Hill still there? That's a good question. I like him. Don't like Nate Stanley. What ha- what's happening at Penn State? I also don't know what's, what's happening at Purdue. Yeah, yeah, which is that's going to be kind of important since your best offensive player needs a little bit. Need a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's like Hunter Johnson and Justin Fields, really good prospects on paper. Mm-hmm. What do they look like in the conference? That's interesting. That'll be a nice little subplot to the beginning of the season. Be. Is who? How does the the quarterback hierarchy shake out? And how good it feels to not have to worry about that in Lincoln. It probably feels. That was yeah. one of the things that um, I took most away from Scott's time at the podium was he talked about how much uh, more at ease they feel with their quarterback depth. Mm-hmm. They have Adrian. They have Luke McCaffrey, who apparently looks really, really good. I don't think he's going to be the number two. Beat out Vedral. I don't know. We had that question in our mailbag. What did you answer? I don't. I don't know if I did answer, but my answer is no. I don't think he's going to beat out Vedral. I could see him being a like if there's an emergency and you need a guy for long term, Mm -hmm. maybe. But even then, I don't necessarily because Adrian is still so young. Like heaven forbid there was some sort of injury, season injury, season ending. Sorry. I mean, I, I think the reports are glowing, and I think that he's been very impressive by all accounts behind the scenes. Um, Luke McCaffrey's still talking about, um, I just don't see him factoring in this season, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, because that's I, totally because cool. of the rest of the quarterback depth, I'd feel very good with Noah Vedral as your backup, mm-hmm. knowing that he had the full season and then had the off season, knowing he was eligible, he's fully healthy, all of that. Um, I, think, I think he's a fine backup quarterback for that. And. The point that I was trying to get to, I wanted to ask Troy Walters this, and I didn't get around to it. I wonder if the um, the faith in that room from top to bottom and having um, guys outside of Adrian Martinez that you feel like you can trust to put into a game, I wonder if that influences how they call things and how aggressive they are with Adrian in the running game. Because I kind of thought after last season heading into this season – and I think Brandon and I talked about this. I wonder if the runs come down. Um, I think he was at 10 a game last year. Okay. And I think Marcus Mariota in his Heisman season, I think, if I remember correctly, he was around 7 or 8. He's so, so effective. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm really curious if those come down or if they're just like, screw it. I mean, we've got guys. We're just going to let Adrian do what Adrian does best and see what happens. I, I think right now – they actually will go up a little. Really? Yeah. Be, and mostly because, one, the, and it goes in conjunction with that running back position because that's unsettled. And you don't know what you're going to get out of when Dedrick Mills gets here and Ramir Johnson get here um, and then what's happening with Mo Washington. So I think that Adrian and that quarterback rap play is, is here to stay. And you can then – You really like that play. I do love that play, and it's so effective. Um, and I think that you can then run – different variations of option plays mm-hmm. with the different guys that they have on the field, um, which I'm really excited to see. That is what's something that I want to see more of in the offense is more of that speed option or spread option game because they're going to have guys, like think about like Adrian maybe faking a handoff to Mo Washington and then being on the outside with Wandale Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's all sorts of possibilities like that um, that can make it really hard on a defense. Let's talk about the running backs next because the offensive guy that you posted up with was Ryan Held. Mm-hmm. Takeaways from him? Um, he, 
I was surprised by his answer um, to my real one question that I had for him, which was, does he need to um, coach any differently knowing the youth that he has in his room? Um, and he immediately went to know my standards don't change, which I, I shouldn't be surprised because he has been pretty consistent on that, right? Like mm. since we've known him, he has said that essentially in so many words that this is one of the running back yous out there mm. and that we need to be great as running backs at this school because running back at Nebraska is very important. Um, so I should have anticipated that. I did not anticipate how blunt he was about that. But I do think that that's going to be something to watch because how do you it, – it, not only do you have inexperience and you've got youth in there, but you have guys that are going to have to get acclimated to the college game. We're talking about, of course, after the, the other guys get here. Um, and then there's this big question mark of – do the guys that are currently here, does, do any of them, Jalen Bradley and Wyatt, do they take a step forward and seize the opportunity? And then, of course, what happens with Washington? We have no idea what's going on there. So there's just a lot of intrigue there um, with his room. But he also issued a challenge, essentially, to Jalen Bradley, saying that it's now or never, which we all kind of mm-hmm. understand. It was based on who's coming in this summer and how much you expect from them. But then also, and you and I have talked about this a bunch, it's never going to be easy as as long as Ryan Held is recruiting to that room. Mm-hmm. Your competition won't get any easier going forward because what happens if the offense continues to be really good and they take another level or take another step up in the caliber of player that they can bring in at the running yeah. back spot? Yeah, because right now you have Maurice Washington. Projecting towards next year, you would have Maurice Washington as a junior. You would have... Uh, you wouldn't have Dedrick Mills, would you? No, you would. He'd be a He'd senior. He'd be a senior. Yeah. You would have Ramir Johnson and Ronald Tompkins yeah. as, as probably And now Ronald Tompkins is fully healthy. Like, yeah, he as, be... and they would most likely be redshirt freshmen, probably. I think Yeah, I think Tompkins would. I think Ramir Johnson is going to play. More than four games? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, of my, one of my sneaky picks on, there <laughs> on you go. that whole situation. Regardless, those are four guys that are going to oh, factor yeah. heavily yeah. into their, their long-term plans, and that's not including anybody that they bring in in this next cycle. Right. So if you're Jalen Bradley and it's your third year on campus and you still have relatively nothing to show for your, your time here in Lincoln. And you've got at least, what, four guys ahead of you. Like that that yeah. becomes really difficult. The, and, this, and, and I've talked about this before, and I think I did this. Um, Jalen was the reason, like, running back was one of my top position battles in a podcast we did a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned, like, the guys who are here now. Those are two scholarship running backs. Right. <laughs> like, for the spring, it's Jalen Bradley and it's Wyatt Mazur. So if Jalen can't – I mean, if, if Jalen can't prove that he deserves more carries or Jalen can't stake out um, a role in that, that offense in the spring, it's not looking very good. No. And 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 they've already talked about – and Ryan Held mentioned this, and I believe Troy Walters did too on Tuesday of – how Wandale Robinson and Miles Jones are also getting some reps back there at running back. Um, so he, it, it's going to be... So I think one thing to watch for as we get further along in the spring, if you start to hear more about those two guys, Jones and Robinson, getting more carries in the backfield, that's not a good sign, that's not a good sign for what's happening with those other guys, particularly Jalen Bradley at the running back spot. Yeah. Um, what do you think of his helds kind of little fiery comment about Divine not getting a combine invite. 
I thought that was great. Like I thought it was. I thought that he was correct. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, but I th- but I thought it was really great that he was sticking up for his guy um, because you can tell like a couple of guys when they came come up um, that just left the program. I guess um, you can tell that this staff has a lot of affinity towards those guys. Divino Zigbo and Stanley Morgan mm-hmm. are two guys that is anytime that they're brought up, the coaching staff really lights up. Like Scott Frost, whole body language and demeanor changed when he was at the podium talking about Stanley. Um, he said he was one of his favorite players. Yeah, he, coach. he did was one that. year with the dude. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Awesome. And we and we got to know Stanley throughout his time here. And you know, Stanley's great. Um, so that's not a surprise, but at the same time, it only was that one year yeah. um with him. But no, I, I thought that held was dead on on what he said about Ozigbo. And it was nice to see him fired up about his guys because again, like your players are always watching, right? So mm-hmm. you know that that gets back to the guys that are in your room that you're gonna have their backs and you're gonna stick up for them. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think I think what he said was spot on. The like twenty eight running backs got an invite to the combine. There is absolutely no reason Devino Zigbo should not have have been invited to the combine. I think right. teams wanted him there. The fact that teams were asking about him being there when he was back at the the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. like I don't I don't quite know why he didn't get a combine invite because he goes out on pro day Thursday, and we can talk about this next. He goes out on pro day. And the numbers that he put up and some of the measurements that he had, they would have been among, if not the top half of running backs of the combine, they would have been inside the top 10 of those 28 backs. We can talk about, I want to talk about his uh, 40 time because it's looking like, um, I don't have whoever tweeted it in front of me, but you retweeted it, shared it on Twitter, and it's looking like a 454. maybe um, for his 40 time. We didn't get, he didn't know what his time was, but he said... um, he said high four fives to low four sixes. I didn't think there was any way he was going to be in the four sixes. He looked quick. Uh-huh. So a four five four feels about right. That would put him be pretty good if I just... let me because I wrote about this. Let me pull this up. I should have had it ready to go. That would put Divine eleventh amongst the twenty eight yeah. running backs. His nineteen reps on the bench would have been tied for fifteenth. His vertical, 37-inch vertical, would have been tied for fourth best among running backs. His broad jump of 10 feet 4 inches would have been tied for sixth best. And then we don't know his three-cone time or his 20-yard shuttle yet. I mean, you might know them by the time you're listening to this podcast. But um, he said he felt like the three-cone drill was his best drill. So if that's the case and the numbers back that up, then his day looks even better. I think... He said that the the thing that scouts wanted to see from him the most on his pro day was, "Are you fast? Are you quick?" He wanted to prove that he is not just a power guy that he's that he can move. And we heard the coaching staff talk about this all year last year, or all basically all season last year, about how he added speed, he added top end speed, and he added quickness and in, in, in a change of direction that he didn't have before. And I maybe not elite. Because I don't know that he's ever going to be elite with how massive he is. Yeah. But he real—I thought he really showed quickness. I thought he had a really good day. What? Do you, how do you feel about his pro prospects after Thursday? I, I feel like they should be better than what they seem to be. I guess is how I would phrase it. Because I, first of all, I'm in agreement with basically everyone around here that I don't understand how he didn't get a, a combine invite. Um, and I, I feel like I. 
we you could kind of see coming that what he was going to have to prove is that he was quick or that he was fast because that's essentially what he had to show here mm-hmm. right is that that he wasn't just a short yardage back um even though there were actual if you dive into the numbers there were questions about just how effective of a short yardage back he had been prior to last year as well well they weren't um, very good in short yardage no last year no they weren't um but obviously he has the breakout season and then it almost feels like, and I feel bad for him in this way, is that it feels like he's almost back to square one of having to reprove himself mm-hmm. all over again. And I feel like things are going to go for him the same way that they just did go, which is he'll get, I feel like he could end up being an undrafted free agent or a late round pick. And then in a couple of years, the team that drafted him will say, man, we're really lucky that we have to find Ozigbo and he's really kind of a stalwart of our running game at this point and we can really depend on him. Like, I feel like that's where he's heading, that he'll be around for a while um, and that he'll be a quality running back in the NFL. And I just don't know whether or not he's getting drafted or he'll be an, or an undrafted free agent. Um, but I think he should. he's a draftable player. And it's surprising to me, in a way about how his process has gone because I would have thought that he would have proven some of this stuff about speed and quickness over how he played in a tough conference last year. This kind of gives the feel to me, you know, like whenever you're like you're looking at a a local player and the local talk around him and it's like, oh, he's really good. But then you like go outside that bubble and it's like, mm, I'm not really sure. Like I get that feel, but I don't really feel like that's fair. But there are like a lot it, of draft guys, though, that like him a lot. Yeah. Like a lot of them. A lot of guys that really study the tape like Divino Zigbo a lot. It surprises me that you think we're talking about late round unrestricted free agent. Because I think he's three to five in that range. I I feel like when when he gets in private workouts, I think he's going to impress people. I think that's where he can really I think that's where a lot of these guys can really shine is when they get into private workouts because A, I really like the character of, of these guys that are going. I think um a guy like Luke Gifford, a guy like Divine, a guy like Stanley Morgan or Farmer will be like Farmer that. will be yeah, yeah, Farmer, I can't believe I forgot about him. Will really shine in sort of private team specific interview settings. Yep. Um where teams can really pick their brain and get to know them as a person. Um but then also like he is a physical specimen, and the NFL wants that. And he, I think he's – when you look at him, you can project him as an every down back, I think. I would agree. And I hope that – my hope, though, is that wherever he ends up, they view him as that from day one. That it's we're bringing you here to be an every down back and compete to be an every down back, not, hey, we'll give you some short yard situations and see where we go from there. So do you think it would be better for his career long term then if he was an undrafted free agent, if he was a priority free agent after the draft and got to pick where he went as opposed to being a sixth round draft pick that gets into a. Well, we'll give you a shot. Yes, actually, because then he can select the best situation for him, um, and then I think he could end up having a really productive pro career. Aaron Sorensen said the exact same thing about Tanner Farmer yesterday. How would you feel about his day? 39 bench He uh, surprised me. Freaking crazy. Like, his numbers were off the charts. The bench press thing, obviously, that didn't surprise me. That room was electric when that happened. (laughs) He he went through 20 like it was nothing. Really? Yeah. Like, like it was, I'm telling you, like, Mo Berry's eyes were like, what are we watching right now? That's crazy. Like, Like, I wish I'd seen that. Like, like, it was a special moment. The rest of his numbers, like, the vertical and all that, like, 
okay that that'll get you some that'll get you some some attention and i'm sure there were a lot of guys that were at a lot of scouts there um that had a lot of questions about him after that like that that will definitely put you on the radar he tested really well in the weight room in the weight room 32 and a half inch vertical which would have been the fifth best at the combine and the broad jump which i thought was the most i thought was more impressive than the bench reps Mm -hmm. his broad jump of nine feet ten inches would have been the best at the combine that's nuts he like He's he's a six foot four. He's over three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. He had uh, six inches on Gerald Foster in the vertical, and he matched Trey Neal in the broad jump. Wow! Like I think he showed. I didn't know he was that athletic. Right, and I think that I think that the the, the thing that I love though about what he did, and and bench is included in this with that broad jump and with that vertical, is that you know sometimes on pro days guys run those crazy forty times and they kind of get a lot of notoriety, but then you realize that the stopwatch is a little more friendly mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, the things that he tested really well in are things that you can't really do that on again. You can't <laughs> no, flub. Yeah, you're yeah. not flubbing a guy's vertical, right? He either did it or he didn't. Right. So I'm really happy for him in that in that way um because he that should definitely that will at least get his foot in the door for some more interviews Mm -hmm. and then i think he knocks it out of the park because you know that he'll he'll interview very well right he's very charismatic and he he knows what to say passionate about the game like yeah all of that just comes out immediately when you talk to him well i mean he said it Yesterday, like, here's the quote. A lot of teams may overlook you for whatever reason, maybe because of our record, politics, whatever. Even if I thought I deserved to be able to go to the Combine, a lot of people thought I didn't, so I didn't get to go. Today, I was able to showcase that I deserve to be looked at, and I deserve to have a chance at the next level. That is, that's a a comment that's going to be received very, very well by NFL teams. Yeah, Yeah, great job by you. And Aaron said basically the same thing that you said about Divine, is that if he gets... If he gets in a situation where he's a priority free agent, mm-hmm. um, he could be somebody like Jeremiah Searles who carves out a niche for himself in the NFL and has a pretty decent career that nobody, maybe nobody expected. Yeah, and one of the things, too, is that Tanner will always be a good locker room guy, and I feel like sometimes people forget how important that can be, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about maybe a guy that ends up being a priority free agent that eventually you're going to bounce around a little bit, kind of like Searles has, um, but because you're such a positive influence in the locker room and you're so well-liked, that ends up helping you as well. And you work hard, that, so that ends up helping you a lot. So Stanley was the only guy who was at the – Combine, the only Nebraska guy at the combine. He didn't didn't test uh, pro day. I wonder I wonder where he falls on mock drafts or on draft boards. I think I I think it's almost a given he gets drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I'm maybe a little less sure on where exactly he goes than I was a couple weeks ago. Um, but I kind of want to get your take on him, and I also. Want to know how you feel? I think they get three guys drafted. Mm. Okay, we'll we'll come back to we'll come back to that after Stanley. So, so keep that in the back of your okay, mind. I'll keep that in the back of my mind. I'm struggling there to get a three. So um, Stanley, I'm, I, I was fine with him not testing or anything like that um, yesterday at the pro day. I thought that he was more than good at, at what he needed to be good at um, at the combine, which mm-hmm. is the 40. He ran really well. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. It's hard, though. Receiver is really difficult to me because it feels like every year we say, oh, it's a deep year for receivers. I don't know where this guy is going to go. And I feel like that's kind of the territory that we're in right now with Stanley. I'm with you. He's definitely a draftable player. I just have no idea where 
it, like what round to project Stanley at. Yeah, because there are freaks. Yes, <laughs> there are some guys that I didn't that, realize um, there were there. Like DK yeah. Metcalf is. Yes, who actually was like the second or third most productive receiver on that Ole Miss team. Um, So there's a couple other guys from that team that will also get drafted. Yeah, he's huge. Okay, so I've got three guys. Do you want to take a guess at who the three guys are? Stanley, obviously, is one of them. Stanley, Divine, and Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Luke, and he said he's gotten a late-round grade from some teams. That's good. I I thought that was going to happen. I thought... Just like with Divine and Tanner, like I feel like these guys are going to be able to get into private workouts, get one or two private workouts for the team, mm-hmm. make the most of it, and they get a flyer in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. I think that the thing about Luke, and this is why I, I wish that Luke had been healthy his entire career. Well, that's to the thing. It's really about really show what I could really, I, what he could do, um, because I feel like I don't fully know what his ceiling is mm-hmm. because of the injuries. Well, the thing that he said was that. Most teams are just weighing his in, his injury history. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing to them right now. Um, but he showed last year he can be an effective pass rusher off the edge. And he's a, a locker room guy, like you said. He can mm-hmm. be a leader of a team if he needs to be. Um, the intangible things, he checks all the boxes. And he's if he's healthy, he's a productive player. Yeah. And I think that part of because of the way Nebraska's defense was last year with kind of not sticking to the script, so to speak, with some of those linebackers and what you had to ask Luke to do to basically run into a guy um, on pass rush. But before they had to start doing that, he was very effective um, at getting after the quarterback and causing some havoc. So I could see him, especially get see you. I'm picturing him like getting in one of these interviews and getting up on the chalkboard or on the whiteboard mm-hmm. um, and doing really well with mm-hmm. that because he's a smart player too. So, yeah, I I could see him sneaking in there on the Just walk in and hand him the Colorado tape. Yeah. Yeah. And then nail a couple of your interview questions and walk out and feel pretty good about yourself. That would be nice. It would be nice to actually see to see Nebraska have three guys drafted when people weren't expecting that, just to get that feel good moment. And especially considering, I mean, think about all the stuff that these seniors went through mm-hmm. and kind of the talk around them. And we've talked about this a bunch. Was their talk about them at the beginning of last season and even how like Frost kind of talked about them at the beginning of last season to how he talks about them at the end of the last year and then how they all kind of revere them now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be neat for some of those guys to then end up getting a true shot at the next level. I'm just not going to believe that Divine is getting passed up through seven rounds by 32 teams until it actually happens. I just don't think that. I think he he looks the part of an NFL running back. He does. I hope I hope I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but I just it's so tough. Like I've been surprised before on where guys from Nebraska end up getting drafted or not getting drafted. And I'm sitting there thinking, how did that not? How did that guy not get drafted? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, he deserves to be drafted. Divide does. He definitely does. Any other getting back to spring football? Any other takeaways from Tuesday that you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I want your thoughts kind of on Adrian Martinez as leader. And I wrote about this in Recon, which actually, as we record this, just went live. Um, read it. In, in the read it. Um, some good stuff in there. Uh, but I wrote a part of the thing I wrote is that. You don't get to pat your own back. No, no I that's can't. what I say. No, but you got to let me say I there's good to, stuff in there. I tried to just quietly <laughs> slide that in there. You wouldn't let it slide by. Man. Well, that should be great. Man. Well, you got to let me great. do that stuff. I guess. My bad. My bad. You can cut that out. Um, um, Adrian, when Scott was asked what Adrian wanted, needed to work on or get better at year two, 
I was kind of struck by the fact that he didn't name a single on-field thing and went directly to leadership. And not only did he go directly to leadership, he basically said, man, you're the face of the program. You're going to be the leader of this entire football team, whether you want to or not. Buckle up. Like I found I that, that to, I found that to be really interesting. But the thing is, is to me, as as we've kind of gotten to know Frost um, since in the time that he's been here, he would not have said that if he didn't think that Adrian could handle it. Right. Yeah. So I, that makes me feel a little bit better about that because otherwise, that would be a lot to throw on a kid. That comment was very much like a buck up, Buttercup. Let's yeah, let's go. Yeah, you better go do it. Well, <laughs> and I wrote about this in Love Hate. He's got the third best Heisman odds. Westgate. Uh, Las Vegas Superbook, he's got the third best Heisman odds behind Tua and Trevor Lawrence. And both of those guys played for a national championship, and Nebraska lost eight games last year. So <laughs> there are expectations on this kid, a sophomore, a true sophomore quarterback, that are, if I'm being completely honest, starting to worry me a little bit. Okay. Just because, and and I wrote, I mean, I wrote this verbatim in Love Hate. We, I just... On Sunday, I will finish watching a team absolutely crumble under very similar expectations. Yeah. I mean, they just imploded. And I'm talking about Nebraska basketball. They had expectations that were um, as high as they've been in a long, long time around here, and they couldn't handle it. And I don't, I don't think the same situation happens with Adrian Martinez or this football team. I think Adrian is very, very, uh, I think he's got a lot of mental fortitude. I think he's more than capable of being the leader that Nebraska is asking him to be and Scott Frost is asking him to be. But it just worries me a little bit that, like, the fourth question he got asked on the first day of spring availability was, hey, how do you feel about the Heisman? Like, <laughs> I mean, but the- don't lead the country in fumbles. Win more than eight games before we start talking about this. Prove that you can do that stuff before we start talking about this. I'm just... I feel like people want to be a little ahead. They do. But I think you can... But the thing is, and I don't want to get ahead of myself as I say that, but I feel like you can see it coming. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's and it's it's too late to try to put the hay back in the barn or whatever metaphor you want to use. Like, the Adrian Martinez train is off and running, and I feel like there are, there are clear, reasonable reasons to think that um, and to think that he's deserving of all of this. Mm-hmm. But I also think this, and I've said this since going back to when he was being recruited, I, think, I just think he's a special kid. Yeah. Like, both in his makeup and maturity and also his talent. And I, I think he'll be able to handle it. And if he can, and he actually gets better, which he has room to get better, then you really are talking about something very, very unique um, at the quarterback position here. Yeah, and he should be. I mean, the fact that we're having this conversation after a 4-8 and eight season, after all the turnovers that he had and the freshman mistakes that he had last year, the fact that we're even having this conversation just speaks to everybody else sees what, what you saw. It's He's just a special kid. Yeah. The comparisons to a guy like Marcus Mariota are apt because he looks like it. Like, you watch him play, and he looks like it. And um, I kind of wrote to just pump the brakes a little bit. And, I mean, I know I'm part of the hype train we're we're part of of creating this i mean i tweeted out that photoshop <laughs> right. picture of the, his uh bio in the spring guide and said hey it's it's heisman like i know but at the same time i don't know i just get this feel like i want to i want to maybe scale it back a little bit 
if only to ease the burden on him heading into this season because I mean we everybody is like eight wins as a baseline now and like you talk yourself into nine or ten <laughs> or eleven or winning a big ten championship like that's where we're at they've won eight games in the last two years like I just <laughs> I want to I want to I don't want to put the cart before the horse I want to be a little more conservative. Maybe, maybe this is just like a little bit of self-reflection in the last couple days. I've been like, okay, I need to slow down a little bit. Okay. Am it's, I wrong? Man, it's funny because I've been thinking about this and I'm just like, I don't want to just like let it run free. But at the same time. Are you the exact opposite I of me Kind right of. Now? Because at the after being around the team Tuesday, the, another thing that struck me was they're very confident. Yeah. It's not overconfident, but I feel like. Between the way they finished the season last year, the way they attacked the weight room over the winter, the coaching staff's confidence, because we've talked a lot about that, and how Zach Duvall just has them feeling overall. I feel like, and then you have Adrian Martinez leading them. Um, I, I feel like this is a team that right now feels like they can beat anyone. Whether they can actually go out and execute that is a whole nother story. But I think, to me, I'm, the baseline is... Go to the Big Ten Championship, play in a January one bowl game. This year? This year. That's the baseline? That that to me is well, oh that my goodness. baseline of what what I kind of expect. Like what would be satisfactory to me. And that is that's where I'm at. What what's today's date? That's today like is, way ahead of where today I am. Is, yeah, today <laughs> is March eighth. Um, but that is kind of wh- where I think this thing is going. And so, yes, to answer your question in a very long way, I feel like I'm on the opposite side of where you are right Okay, now. well, here's – I feel like I'm going to get misconstrued here. I, They're capable of that. Okay. If that happens, I'm not surprised – I'm not, like, floored, okay. crazy shot. Like, they're capable of that, and I see that. I think Adrian has the ability to win a Heisman as a sophomore. I think he does. If, if, if every, everything, everything breaks everything right, has to break right and he that. stays healthy yeah. and the fumbles get cut down and instead of – you know, fumbling on the first play of a drive three or four times this season or within the first couple plays of a drive. Those are touchdown drives and give him 70 yards of offense to his name. And, and that, yeah. I mean, that adds up and his numbers yeah, look good at the end. And, yeah. and they're playing in a Big Ten championship? Absolutely. I think he could be in New York. If they're at the Big Ten championship, he's in New York this year. I, yeah, that's I, a pretty good correlation. Yeah, if, if they are, in, and provided there's not one of those really weird, like, five-loss team. Went yeah. To, yeah, provided and, that. But they've got, and... This was something that I noted at Pro Day. They've got a lot of the members of the defense have their day-by-day shirts, but they're a little bit different this year. They say day-by-day on the front, up on the left, um, the left breastplate. And then on the back, it says one more. I'm curious what one more means. A lot of the seniors had them on. Um, This team is motivated. They're confident. I'm not going to deny that. I think that was evident um, Tuesday when we talked to them. But I just... I just I just worry. What happens if they go to Colorado and and things don't turn out the way they want it to? They lose that game, and then they they can't top Ohio State in Week Five, and they're sitting there at three and two, and people are like, "What happened? What the hell's going on here?" Yeah, like you guys said, we had this Heisman candidate. Maybe then they press a little bit, and yeah. I mean, if we're talking eight and four, like they're like, "Okay, we can only lose two more games the rest of the season." Right. Like, I just, I don't want to get to that point. I think they are more than capable of 
doing all the crazy things that people think they're going to do this year. But but is that even is that crazy? Is it? I think a January crazy? one bowl game this year is crazy. Okay, didn't did Iowa Iowa went to a January one bowl game last year, right? Didn't they win eight games in the regular season? I don't think Iowa played in a January one bowl game. Did they? One of the there was a team from the conference, and I should pull this up ahead of time. Like there was a team from the conference that I feel like played in a Jan one bowl game that won eight or nine games in the regular season. Oh my God! They did. They played in the Outback Bowl. The Outback oh. Bowl is a New Year's Day bowl game. There it is. See now. Okay, I've brought you a little bit closer to my side. Okay, because so it's not as crazy. When you say New Year's Day, I'm thinking like the New Year's Six. Oh no 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 no! We're not no, no we're not talking the New Year's. Okay, six. that's we're what talking, I thought you were talking okay, about. No 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 no! Okay. I'm talking about right. just a January one, a regular okay, old that's January not crazy. one bowl game. They could play in the Outback Bowl, no problem. Yep, there it is. Okay, play in the Outback Bowl, go to the Big Ten Championship. Maybe Adrian goes to New York. That's Wandale, freshman All-American. That's basically <laughs> what, okay, yes, I'm joking, kind of. But that's kind of the base. That's kind of what I expect from this group. And it, it's, I don't think that it takes, and especially because now people, like we've gone a lot of this time and have not mentioned the defense. Um, I don't think that defensively they have to improve as much year one to year two as I think some people think. And I've said this a lot, and I think they need to get to say, uh, they were at 31 points a game um, allowed last year. I think they need to get seven, knock seven off of that, and get to about 24, which will put the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, and I think they can win a lot of football games next year. Yeah, Improve the turnover numbers, because mm-hmm. that's what the defense wants to do, and then I, to get that ball back to the offense if the offense takes the jump. I don't think that those are unrealistic benchmarks. I just uh, I, I always worry, though, though, because I've heard that when I've said that before, of get the response from fans in particular saying, oh, no, they need to be you know under 20 um, points per game allowed and all of this. And I'm like, no, that's a large jump. To make it from year one to year two, to to uh, and with this offense, it's just I don't know how feasible that would would be. What did they average points wise last season? Scored on offense, yeah. Do you remember off the top? No, of your head? I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm trying to load this, so I guess we'll just leave a couple dead minutes. This Google sheet never loads. Okay, we'll just do this. <clears throat> they averaged where's their scoring they averaged 30 30 points a game last year it's a little higher than the top let's say an opponent's average 31 let's let's say that improves by a touchdown and a field goal you think that's doable yes yeah, because if you cut down, I think if there and there's a couple of ways actually that they could get there on offense. You cut down on those turnovers, those fumbles in particular, because I don't think Adrian's going to throw a lot of interceptions. But the fumbles you cut down on, and if they could get better field position, that's like such that a big would thing. help them so much. It's something that it's such an unsexy thing to talk about, but it really adds up and it matters so much for this team because that's what it may be and I don't know if that's the step they're going to be able to take this year or if that's the year three thing that we're all talking about um but if they could get better field position to actually put themselves in better situations to begin with um that would help a lot here are the three most important things to me this season and sacking the quarterback is not anywhere close to the top three do you have guys on special teams that care are your special teams improved? Are you not getting penalized every fourth play on a punt return or a kick return? 
and if they improve, then your your average starting field position is improving. The opponent's average starting field position is is moving back, right. and good things are happening. Like Joe Mondewitt talked to us about, like if you can start, I think at the twenty nine yard line is what he said. Like your chances of scoring are at seventy five percent, as opposed to if you're starting at the twenty five yard line, your chances of scoring are at like twenty five percent. So take that for what it is. So special teams, can they stop the run consistently from game to game or or through stretches where they just really couldn't last year and then can your your uh actual turnover margin better reflect your expected turnover margin because their expected turnover margin was pretty good last year mm-hmm. actual was a different story because DiCaprio Boodle had 15 pass breakups <laughs> and no interceptions on them so right. if that can I and I don't think that's indicative of his ability I think that is an outlier that will that will it has to come back itself. to normal. Yes, yeah. it has to. There's no way to re- repeat that. And if it was, it would be such a strange fluke. It'd be very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty pass yeah. breakups in two years with no interceptions yeah. would be something insane. Um, so those those are the three. And if if those three things happen, eight wins, nine wins. That's in the row. I'm not going to say ten wins. No, I'm not going there. I'm yet. not going to say I ten think, wins yet. I think eight or nine, and, and because huh, the thing is too is that the schedule is so manageable as well. I don't want to get in March get to the, get into schedule talk, but that matters, um, and so that will help as well. So that so let's just say eight or nine wins. Okay. Jan one bowl. I Outback brought you bowl. in. Outback I, Bowl, not New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I didn't Make say New Year's Six. <laughs> why, did, why do we plan non-New Year's Six games on New Year's Day? I you thought know, that was reserved for the, the big bowls. That's probably a good question. The Outback Bowl is not a big bowl. <laughs> it matters. It'd be a nice improvement over no bowl. <laughs> like, I remember watching, well, any any the Cherubundi Tart Bowl would be an improvement over no bowl. <laughs> I want to go there just to say, like, just we went there that. just to get, like, the swag bag that did comes you, with that bowl. Speaking of, did you see the thing where, um, is it in 2020, like, the Las Vegas Bowl is going to become, like, the Las Vegas Bowl is going to become a Big Ten Bowl, but it's Ooh. also getting elevated, so it'll be a higher tier bowl game that you'll actually want to go to. Close to New Year's? Yeah. Like, oh, I think it might be, be an on a New I think it's going to replace <laughs> the Holiday Bowl. Don't quote me on this. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, but yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. That I would be dangerous. Like that. <laughs> Hang out in Las Vegas on I'd New Year's Eve. I'd find a way to go to that one. <laughs> yeah. Sugar Bowl on New Year's Eve was still the greatest thing I've ever I want to do that. Greatest, I do want to do that Greatest experience too. ever. It rained, but there was a Jason Derulo concert. It was... <laughs> Toluca Heights. Um... Yep. That was pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. Um, is there anything that could happen in spring ball that would knock down your... Um, expectations for the season. Uh, yeah, injuries. Any, any well, outside of injuries, outside of outside of injuries. No, because I feel like even if, like, let's say um, they're not generating much pass rush, for example, we're not going to find that out, really. Right. Um, so I'm trying to think of things that you would normally find out that would derail that. Not really, because even if you hear of like. The running backs are struggling. Mm-hmm. I, that won't really tamp it down because reinforcements are on the way this summer. Okay. Um, I, well, okay, the maybe the spot? one thing I was just about to say, that center spot would be the one thing. If there's no real like settling there, 
Because that is a concern. Mm-hmm. Like, as much promise as you hope Cam Jurgens has, um, as much as you hear about Hunter Miller or maybe Will Farniak making a move, um, that, that, that's a real question. Mark. All three of those guys are as green as they can possibly be. Yes. Yeah. Which, hey, you've got to go through that. Though. I'm always looking glass half full. Well, yeah, you got to go through you, that. you got to go through that to get to, hey, we've got a three- or four-year starter at center <laughs> that's an all-conference guy. Like, But you also don't want to go through that with guys that you don't know what you're getting from them in a year where you're talking about eight or nine wins. That's true. That's like, true. If, if we were talking about if Cam Jurgens was a high four-star center recruit coming out of high school mm-hmm. and we were in his redshirt freshman season talking about him being the starter at center like you're feeling a little yeah. bit better but the fact that he's a converted tight end he's coming off a broken foot in a game like, yeah. yeah is there going the opposite direction what's one thing that could happen this spring that would bump your expectations up if, if you heard that the de- like the defensive line was causing havoc on a consistent basis. The only thing, though, that gives me pause on that is I feel like there was maybe two or three years ago we heard that, and then it turned out that the offensive line this wasn't ready for prime Stat. time. Yes, yeah, so I tried to not go straight there. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of gets you worried. Um, also, though, offensively, and I think this is more likely this is something that you would hear um is that if the wide receiving core, if you start to hear that Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard are playing really well and Wandale is everything everybody thinks he is and is going to be and Jamie Nance is playing really well, like that would that would be really encouraging because I think on the field with Adrian, besides the turnovers, I think a next step naturally, especially in this offense, is him being able to spread the ball around. Yeah. Getting being able to utilize, yeah, being able to utilize all of this because that's what's going to make this offense truly dangerous. That's how you get to the 50 points a game or whatever was offense that they had at UCF is you look up and all sorts of guys are running down the field streaking open and uh, Mackenzie Milton is finding them for touchdowns. That's mm-hmm. the next the next step on field for me. We're on the same page because I was going to say wide receivers as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you didn't include Javon McCoody in that, but we can talk about that. It wasn't time. on purpose. I okay. do hope he... <laughs> if he good. becomes their number, their clear cut number two receiver, I feel better about their season. I'll say that. Interesting. I mean, I guess it just to me it is because they need to I, just have a clear cut number two. Well, not necessarily that. If it's Mike Williams, I'm not as optimistic. It's because of what Javon can do as a deep threat. I feel like Mike Williams and JD Spielman are too similar in, in what they do. Hmm. I don't know if they are. I, Am I crazy I would, to think that? I would, yeah, I would slightly disagree because I think that I I view Mike Williams as more of a home run threat, kind really? of the same with Woodyard. Like, and so one of them needs to emerge as that threat, but then McQuitty needs to emerge as more of that Stanley type of receiver, which is what he was originally recruited mm-hmm. for. Then JD is kind of his own thing where I, I'm still always kind of surprised that A, how open he gets and how shifty he is and we shouldn't be at this point um, because he just doesn't, this sounds so bad, but he just doesn't look all that athletic to me. So then he goes out there and he's really shifty and guys can't tackle him and he's awesome in space um, and he makes it happen. Well, so my biggest question is how much of, of that ability to just get open when you don't think he can get open with Stanley? Oh, that helps. <laughs> it Having helps that you can only devote safety and, so much yeah. to him, yeah. Because that will be something, 
and it goes back to what we were saying about Adrian being able to spread the ball around, that's going to be tested right away. Yeah. I mean, game one, South Alabama, the first thing they should do is have a corner play press on JD and then have a safety over the top yeah. and say one of you other guys is going to have to make plays. Um, and that's how I feel. And like that's just that's not just going to happen in game one. That's no, gonna that's going to happen, gonna happen all season. But I think that's how the world will get introduced to Wandale Robinson. Okay. Like I feel, I think that that's how that's going to end up happening because you can only devote so much to him because of what you, because of what you have to do for JD, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that can if you if if another guy or two can step up, it opens things up so much more because you're going to have to focus on JD Spiel. He's in a real good situation, Wondell is. Yes, he is. We keep coming back to that. All right, Greg, you've got work to do. I've taken up an hour of your time. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was yeah. always fun. I appreciate you letting me rant at the beginning. <laughs> I feel like you needed that time. I do. We will be back next week with another podcast. We'll have coverage throughout the week on hillvarsity.com. As normal, just keep reading. And um, we're on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment or, what is it, a rating on iTunes. Do that. Five stars. That's Leave the highest, a rating. right? Five stars. Yep, we're a five-star podcast. That's right. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week.